Hello and uh, welcome to the This Week in Lies Series 2 Best Bits. Uh, this is part one of the Best Bits series, so we hope you enjoy. Plenty. Arab Spring News now. Boing. <laughs> the old classic. Now, as we've been saying on last week's episode, we talked about a little bit. Not last week's episode, the last episode. Uh... Gaddafi's gone mad. Let's essentially just put that out there. Uh, gone mad? Yeah, true. Um, he said that he will blow up Europe. Following the uh, International Criminal Court issuing an arrest warrant for him, he has said that he will blow up Europe as Libya are able to penetrate into Europe like locusts. Now, that sounds ridiculous, but he paused for a minute and thought, no, I- I'm not finished being crazy yet, and said... Like bees respond to aggressors by stinging them, we shall respond with rockets. Now, rockets will block out the sun. (laughs) (laughs) He then claimed that NATO is losing its imperial war, Libya is winning, and the game is over. To which I just expected to hear... After. Or maybe just level two. (laughs) (laughs) NATO is still bombing Libya, and more pressure has come on the Libyan leader to stand down... But Gaddafi remains defiant that he is going to keep searching Tripoli for his marbles and eventually won't be insane. Uh, Gaddafi just makes me laugh. <laughs> Dear me. I'm going to miss it will him. will be slightly sad when he's gone, to be honest. Yeah. Less amusing. There'll just be less fun in the world. The laughter will have died. There'll be more pressure on Ahmadinejad to keep saying that Europe's stealing rain. Or something Europe is just not doing, or has no interest in doing. Next we'll be stealing is sand. It's usually more Israel, isn't it, to be honest? His main vein of uh, comedy, to be honest. And oh, does he mine it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear me. Is there anything more on Gaddafi? Or are we just going to talk about general Arab Springs? Because oh, no. we've got we've got a few we've got two more stories for the Arab Spring. This is the thing is like we've been doing the we did all the shows and the Arab Spring was going on. We're doing this now. This is week one and the Arab Spring's still going on. It's 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 highly motivated by us. They do like I know that the people who listen to uh, this week in lives are actually involved in the Arab Spring. We're keeping it going. We are the proverbial person pushing the slinky down the stairs. Moving on to the new Thunderbirds wannabe, Ali Abdullah Al Saleh has appeared on state TV for the first time since being badly injured in a rocket attack. Why is he a Why is he a Thunderbird? Well, he can't move his arms. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, he said that um, he didn't move his arms during the interview, as it says. Yeah, and. Uh, refuses to step down as usual and he's had uh, eight operations to heal burns broken bones and internal bleeding uh, he would consider power sharing though but within the framework of the constitution and in the framework of the law which you know a few weeks ago he wasn't so keen on it when he, um, he wanted it changed that he could uh, be immune from prosecution if he ever was told to step down so it's kind of just decided now he's lost that he wants to uh use the constitution to work for him. He's not lost. He just hasn't won very well. He's not. He's been badly injured in a rocket attack. Not lost, just badly injured in a rocket attack. Yeah, he also described it as an accident, which is, you know, a lot of people accidentally, in you know, a mass coincidence, just had itchy trigger fingers and fired rockets at his compound. It's just so unlucky, that man. Someone someone dropped something. Someone dropped something in the kitchen, scared someone, and, uh, yeah, lots of rockets hit the palace. Completely accidental. Yeah, one person was scared, and they fired their rocket, and then everyone was surprised by that, and it just compounded <laughs> itself. Yeah. Um, but I think he's been ruling since uh, 1978. Uh, his departures left at least 350 dead, but there are many more estimated... Uh, casualties, which is probably up into the thousands, but protests continue in Yemen. So, I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, is he going to uh, is he going to leave? Do we think? Well, it's big pressure on him to leave, but you know, there's no managerial position spare in the Premier League at the moment. So, I think he'll bide his time, try and wait for a big foreign move, maybe Real Madrid, Barcelona. Yeah, 
I mean, obviously, I mean, we know he's got a good right foot on him. Um, we've seen his crosses. Aye. He can work well on either wing. So, you know, that cutting in that he does off the left off the left wing, I mean, he scored some beautiful goals. So it's a big shame that he's been injured. Uh, he might be out for a, for a while. Could put the uh, season into uh, a bit of trouble. Bit of free fall. Yeah, if Stuart Downing's worth twenty million pounds, God knows how much he's worth. To be honest, I'd say upwards of a hundred million. I mean, imagine the, the shirt sales they'd get from printing his name on the back of the shirts. Yeah, because the amount of letters you'd have to use. Ali Abdullah Al Saleh. Yeah. Got your pound for every letter. You're in the money. But moving on to more depressing areas of the world now. Oh no, we're still in the Arab Spring. Syria has accused the US of interfering in its affairs after the US ambassador travelled to the city of Hama, the flashpoint of protest and historical town of problems for the regime. Uh, 22 people have been shot dead in recent days and hundreds of Hama residents have fled attacks from security forces claiming to be there to restore order. While shooting at them? No, towards them. There's a difference. Oh, in the general direction, as we said yeah. in the last show. Just somewhere near them. Not at them. The US State Department has said it is deeply concerned and troubled by the actions of the Syrian government in Hama and is watching the situation closely. <sighs> That essentially sums up Syria. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. It's a depressing place. Although, to be fair, you know, the US is sort of a well-known interfering influence. He's sort of like a bit of an overbearing parent, really. I mean, it, you can imagine just going, what's that, Iraq? Have you got uh, WMDs? Show them all we're opening the door with a rocket attack. Come on. Come on. Hey, hey Guatemala, do you uh, want those vaccines? What's in them? Oh, uh, just syphilis. Now, I know you don't really like it, but if you don't have it, you're going to bed without supper. Come on, eat your vegetables. Come on, Cuba, you want fair elections? No, 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 no. We're going to keep a dictator there. Oh, you got rid of our dictator. We're not very happy. Daddy is angry. Early to bed with no <laughs> television. <laughs> just so many naughty children around the world. That America has to step into and uh, punish. It's literally just, it's a bit of a mess. And it's just funny how the, the State Department of the US likes to get involved in uh, other people's sort of business and then just don't like other people interfering with theirs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not, you know, it's one rule for everyone else and America does what the hell it wants. That's a pretty good rule set. Yeah, don't you ever forget that. I'm sorry. It is also, you know, a bit rich them saying, oh, you're interfering with uh, our citizens' affairs when they've surrounded the entire uh, town of Hamath with tanks and 100 people have already fled. You've got to make sure, though. Like, you've got to keep your citizens safe. And if you kill them, then you know that terrorists aren't going to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a great way to make sure that terrorists don't kill your citizens. Just kill them. Hi, this is Adam's voicemail. Sorry I can't get to the phone right now, but please do leave a message and I'm sure the news of the world will get back to you. Hey. Welcome to the news of the world hacking everyone's phone section. Now, uh, Fish, how, how was that barbecue of yours the other week, mate? Um, how do you know about that barbecue? Uh, I was pretty bored, so I just thought I'd do a news of the world on you and just hacking voicemail. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Adam. I wanted to ask, um, how was the uh, thingy last week? The uh, the film you went to watch. Uh, uh, how do you know about that? Well, uh, you know, I just thought I'd uh, hack your voicemail, see what you're up to. Oh, uh, um, uh, okay. Uh, ben, I um, I heard the other week that you're you're scared of macaroons. But they don't talk about them. And how do you know that? Well, you know, ways and means, ways and means. Does ways and means be hacking my voicemail? Quite possibly, Ben. <laughs> I could not possibly say there are any allegations at this stage. Yeah, allegations that uh, seem to be true since the uh, paper is now closed down. But we're going to be talking about this whole fiasco, and Adam's sort of quite interested in all of this, so you're going to lead it off, Adam. So let's talk about the original investigation and uh, what's been going on. Okay, well, everyone, sit down, strap yourself in, and get ready to go. Oh, dear Lord. 
Part one, the original investigation. The original hacking investigation saw two Piers Morgan-esque people jailed for hacking into the royal family's voicemails. Now, these two idiots were Glenn Mulcair and Clive Goodman. The police called off the investigation after they said it was just a small number of rogue reporters and was not endemic of any organisation or of the British press in its totality. So essentially, it wasn't a big issue at all, is what they summed up. Part 2! The Guardian has claimed that Glenn Mulcair, you know, whilst he was hacking into the royal family's voicemail, was also hacking into murdered teenager Millie Dowler. Now, these messages were left by relatives, and the reporters deleted some of the messages which were left by relatives, as to allow more messages to be left. Now, that may sound quite bad, but this gave the family false hope that she was still alive, and also led to the police case thinking she was alive for an extra week than what she actually was. Whilst claiming she didn't know anything about it, this hacking case was done under the editorship of Rebecca Brooks. They also hacked into the father of murdered schoolgirl Jessica Chapman, who was murdered alongside her friend Holly Wells by Ian Huntley. Andy Coulson was the editor on this story and claims he doesn't know anything about the hacking. Um, relatives of the 7-7 bombing victims were also hacked and tracked as to keep constant watch on incoming voicemails. Glenn Mulcair and others tracked many victims and also emergency staff after the bombings to see their response from it. And uh, Greg Miskew was the assistant editor at the time who was given control on this section. There's also accusations that senior police have been accused of being paid by the News of the World for information on investigations, inquiries, and on politicians and colleagues for stories. This was done under Coulson, which uh, he claimed that they never paid police officers. And then Rebecca Brooks said, well, we have, but only lawfully, which I'll let you work out for yourself. <laughs> yeah, bribes, always, bribes are always legal, right? Yeah, of course. There's also reports that uh, soldiers in Afghanistan that were killed in action had their relatives targeted, which led to the Royal British Legion dropping the news of the world as its advertising partner. This occurred under both Brooks and Coulson, but they don't know anything about it, so obviously they didn't do anything. They seem to both be kind of like Arsene Wenger. Yes. Tommy Sheridan, who uh, is the former socialist member of the Scottish Parliament who was convicted for perjury in a defamation case, was put away on key evidence given by Andy Coulson, saying that the paper did not pay police for information. And uh, my personal favourite quote out of all of this is quoting Andy Coulson in 2007. I don't accept there was a culture of hacking at the news of the world. I cannot think of one case in which the newspaper has done this. Um, Can anyone else, to be honest? (laughs) Obviously, it's just, I think it's all just allegations. Now, all of this has come out because Hugh Grant exposed more of the original scandal when he asked a reporter who had followed him down a road, and then when he broke down, he started taunting him. Um, how they were following him, how they knew where he was going. And this reporter broke, you know, what he obviously learned in Spy 101 by telling the person you're meant to be following all of the secrets. <laughs> um, where he was told that they had hacked into people's phones and were bribing police officers for information about other people's whereabouts. Now, Grant, instead of playing a ridiculous character in a very, very bad film and pretending to, well, just be a more exaggerated version of himself, decided, no, I'm going to try and get the James Bond role. So. Sorry, is this the Hugh Grant? Yes, is this the. As in the actor? Yes. So the actor is turned into some sort of secret reporter? Yes. Awesome. Now, Hugh Grant took a recording device into uh, a pub owned by the reporter that followed him and asked him about what you know, where did he get his information and recorded the reporter talking about hacking into people's phones, admitting that uh, police were paid, which eventually led to this guy going to prison. So after all of that, you'd think, hmm, we're pretty screwed. And yes, the news of the world was because... And it uh, it closed down, didn't it? Yep. Recently. And um, so, yeah, um, this whole thing ended in James Murdoch closing down the paper uh, after all the allegations, um, there's apparently been 4,000 people that have uh, thought to have been hacked from 2002 onwards, 
ranging from celebrities, politicians, even murder victims and so, so dead soldiers' families, which is just a complete disgrace. Um, the paper had been going for 168 years, uh, and now it's closed down with the, the Sun on Sunday looking to replace it. Sorry, Ben, um, you said the gaff there, mate. It's the spun on Sunday. Oh, all right, sorry. <laughs> I think we'll all uh, mourn the loss of uh, the news of the world, to be honest, because... Annie, I really, really need to know if Kerry Katona had baked beans or green beans for her lunch because um, I, I do care about the woman and uh, I worry about her health a lot. And mm. if she's had green beans, it's a great step in the right direction. As long as it's not frozen food from Iceland. No. Well, I think she's progressed from there, as uh, the news of the world have helpfully pointed out. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's just more stuff going on. Um, the police are also investigating whether or not senior executives uh, deleted emails um, up to six years ago about phone hacking before the police could see them. So essentially just trying to cover up the evidence. Uh, and a member of staff was arrested on suspicion of attempting to pervert the uh, the cause of justice. Um, it's basically all just going down. And it's also going to News International as well. Um, who have tried, scare quotes, to uh, thwart the original inquiry into phone hacking um, at the News of the World um, by also claiming to have uh, maybe have deleted some emails and covered it up as well. There is also a uh, link between Andy Coulson and uh, Andy Heyman, who uh, ran the original investigation as well. Because uh, Andy Heyman was... Um, head of specialist operations who um, gave the information for John Charles de Menezes to be uh, killed, basically. And um, in the News of the World the next day, they had the uh, slightly weighted headline, you could say, of why did he run? And also um, uh, put in three blatant lies about um, his allegedly suspicious behaviour on the day, which was sort of you know, swept under the carpet because they were lies. And then um, Heyman led the investigation into phone hacking. And uh, basically, he asked Andy Coulson if he knew about it. He said no. And uh, there we go. I mean, why wouldn't you believe him? Thorough investigation. Yeah, well, he sounds like a delightful man, to be honest. But it's just nice to see friends sticking up for each other. Indeed. Now, Peter Clark, the ex-deputy assistant commissioner, uh, said in 2006 that he came across what we now know to be lies when News International claimed to be cooperating with that original investigation and John Yates claimed that the group failed to cooperate truthfully and willingly and it appears that the original investigation now was damaged by legal advice Newcorp took which just blocked the police and stopped the outings of the corrupt and just downright illegal activity that has gone, gone on within uh, News International for what looks like years, maybe even decades now. And that's the thing, we just don't know how far it's gone and how many people have been hacked because it just seems to have just been all-encompassing. It seems that every single story, every other story has been uh, got with information that's been hacked illegally. So it's just, yeah, I mean, the papers had to close down. Um, that says enough, really, um, for me anyway. Oh, yeah, it does seem like the plot of a good novel. It's sort of all-encompassing, focusing on, like, a lot of key issues, but also it's a highly depressing novel, to be honest. One where you'd probably cry a bit at the end. Well, that novel's about to put out a third instalment. Part three, the disease spreads. Now, it's starting to look like the news of the world disease has also spread to the Times and to the scum. Sorry, the sun. Um, Medical records of Gordon Brown's son, who has cystic fibrosis, were obtained... These records were also used to publish a story about Gordon Brown's son. The son claims that this was used using another family's information. He was just trying to shed light on what his son must be going through, except for the fact that it mentioned exact health issues that Gordon Brown's son was going through at the time, which obviously everyone knows about, so you could easily write a story on it. And everyone's interested in it as well. We just we want to know his personal, private, very heart-wrenching details. Indeed. And I'm sure they wanted them all known as well. And also the Times has uh, also obtained financial details such as property ownership and bank account details. This was done whilst Gordon Brown was still the Prime Minister. Madness. Absolute madness. Yeah. Yeah. They could be um, 
in quite a bit of trouble for that. Yeah, just a little bit. But it's still, you know, we're still not finished on this bit. And uh, it's looking like that in 2007, News International had found emails that appeared to indicate that they were paying the police for information. Now, if I found those emails as a, you know, fit and proper director or as a good team leader slash supervisor slash, you know, let's say editor of a newspaper, I would make the police aware of that. So if I found those emails in, let's say, May 2007, when would you two say I should tell the police? May 2007. Yeah, I think I concur with that, to be honest. Well, uh, it, it took the news of the world and News International until the 20th of June 2011 to bring this information to the police. That's not at all uh, an indictment of guilt. No, it's just slow process, you know, red tape and so on. Well, the emails uh, show authorisation of payments by Andy Coulson and also James Murdoch paying off alleged victims. But uh, just to quote Mr Murdoch here, and in no way say this in a sarcastic manner so I don't end up in court, he had no knowledge of what the money was for. Well, his dad does have so much money, he could probably just throw it around, so maybe that's his excuse. Yeah, but they sort of are notoriously tight and money-obsessed. I mean, if Murdoch's entire family was, like, kidnapped, his first response would probably be, oh, this ransom is going to cost an awful lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pay for James, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry, little Timmy, you're just not worth it on a cash to how much I love you ratio. Cash to potential ratio. He's just <laughs> way off there. Uh, well, now moving on to the chief fools who've been doing this. Rebecca Brooks said that there is no reason to believe that what happened at the News of the World happened at other News Corp papers. She claims to not know anything about the hacking or payments while she was editor of a newspaper where everyone had to submit their stories to her. Hmm. Well, to be fair to her, on the Millie Dallas story, she was on holiday, so she couldn't have possibly, you know... Did she have, like, a... Do these, like, mobile devices for speaking to people exist, or...? No, no, you're dreaming those. None of those exist. I I mean, I don't even know how we're talking now. I think it's through the power of the mind. Well, it's some kind of magic, anyway. Yeah, basically, she... There is no way to make sure you can contact people in other countries. Just as a heads up to everyone there. But there has been a lot of public and internal company anger at her, and Murdoch has stood by her, even though everyone has called on her to resign. And today, she finally woke up and went, oh, what's that in my pocket? Oh, oh look, it's a resignation letter. Oh, wow, I'm going to do a decent thing, and I'm going to resign. To be fair to her, she did also offer a resignation already, like a week ago, and the Murdochs rejected it. Obviously, she just wasn't evil enough. <laughs> she said on this one that she's resigning because she doesn't want to distract attention away from the company dealing with the issues at hand. More like it's a rat sinking, a, a fleeing a sinking ship, maybe. Pretty much, yes. But uh, this Andy Coulson guy has also been arrested, hasn't he? On the uh, the eighth of July, he was arrested for his part in the whole big scandal and uh, you know paying police officers off and things like that. Uh, and he's also going to be investigated for uh, perjury in relation to the Tommy Sheridan trial, who. Uh, is seen to be getting a retrial because uh, he's now in jail on what seems to be very dodgy evidence. Now, would you say that Andy Coulson is a very trustworthy guy who could, you know, let's say, work for the Prime Minister or be trusted with very sensitive details? Of He seems like an upright guy, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure David Cameron asked him and he said yes. So, yeah, there we go. Seems like a bit of a bad choice for communications director. Yeah, it does now definitely. <laughs> Might have his foot in his mouth for that one. Yeah, especially when uh, the Guardian editor and John Prescott, who both you know are likely to want David Cameron to fail, did actually write to him and say that appointing Andy Coulson would be the worst thing he could possibly do. Yes. When John Prescott tells you that something's a bad idea, it's a bad idea. Yeah. Part four. The Empire Falls. Now, News Corp and B Sky B. Everyone knows that uh, News Corp have been trying to take over B Sky B for a while now. But recently, News Corp has announced that it's dropping its plan bid to buy the rest of the shares for B Sky B. 
The announcement came as all three leaders in the UK backed a motion calling for him to do so. Uh, now, the funny thing about this is that it's cost them $78 million to not buy a company. Money well spent. Yes, because they've had to pay $38 million in, re- in a release fee, and they've also had to pay $40 million in the legal fees. So, it's just quite amusing. It's a good way to spend $78 million, you know, not buying anything. Yeah, he's only going to have hundreds of millions of pounds left. Poor him. But uh, Chase Carey, the deputy chairman of News Corp, has said that um, we believe the proposed acquisition of B-Sky-B by News Corp will benefit both companies, but it's become clear that it's too difficult to progress in this climate. But our empire will be back. Also, News Corp will be buying back $5 billion worth of their own shares in the next two years. And uh, Robert Peston, who is the BBC's business editor, labelled this a humiliation for Murdoch. Essentially, yeah, just like, well, that failed miserably. Going to have to put another $5 billion back into my own company. Essentially, the British public has just dunked on Murdoch. I think a few more questions do have to be asked about, you know, deciding that he could probably bid for B Sky B in the first place, because apparently he would have had a bigger influence over the media than uh, Silvio Berlusconi does in Italy, which is quite a frightening thought, to be honest. It's, uh, I actually thought we had monopoly laws in this country as well. Yeah, but um, New Labour, who were kind of in with him as well, sort of relaxed those laws after the meeting with him. In a shadowy meeting. Shadowy. Murdoch oh, seems like Ryan Giggs. He's been sleeping with loads of different political parties and neither of them seem to know that the other one's been cheated on. I think they all do know, to be honest. There was also the uh, thing with the uh, alleged Sky News independence. And it's sort of like Rebecca Brooks there. I think they're just assuming that there is literally no way that Rupert Murdoch could ever communicate with the people at the head of Sky News to sort of maybe influence things or have, you know, uninformed, unabashedly right-wing presenters hired to spout their stupid opinions all over the place. Kay Burley, to mention one name. See Glenn Beck here. (laughs) Part 5. The infection spreads across the pond. Now, there have been uh, fresh allegations from the Daily Mirror that the uh, news of the world may have hacked into the phones of uh, the families of 9-11 victims, which, you know, if proven true, would sort of set a fire under it in America. Obviously, it's an incredibly emotive issue to bring up. Although um, the Mirror's reporting of it seemed a bit like vague, fluffy, and so a lot of the things were sort of, well, yeah, some sources say it's like they're sort of, main way of acquiring news is suddenly not available. I don't know how that could have happened, but just will have to remain a mystery. Maybe it might have something to do with news of the world. Maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe it is. It usually is. But, um, yeah, more pertinent would be allegations of corruption and bribery, which uh, News Corps are quite worried about because they are registered in America. And so if any illegal practices were found to have been uh, carried out, then uh, they would have to be prosecuted under U.S. law. And uh, more likely is they uh, were hacking into U.S. Uh, celebrities as well, because they had a quite an in-depth story about Jennifer Aniston splitting up with Brad Pitt because he left messages and uh, phone calls to Angelina Jolie, the kind of uh, robust journalism they were always renowned for. And um, they knew, apparently, the exact inflection of uh, the voice during the messages. And, well, you could see that as slightly suspicious, but maybe they're just very intuitive people, just in touch with their emotions and know how exactly they would have said it. Well, actually, a source that I can't actually reveal to you has told me that the way they got that information is by using a psychic who uh, the FBI also used to predict 
mass killings and dismembered bodies in Texas. Uh, well, well, that turned out to be true. So I think we should believe it for now until it's proven wrong. Essentially, it should be you're guilty until you are proven innocent. That's the way I like to do things. Yeah. Just like to make sure, really. Uh, basically, I would sum up this as being the worst thing since Australia obtained England's bowling plans in the 06-07 Ashes when uh, England sort of famously double bluffed and never actually went to those plans and bowled exactly to Australia's strengths. And, uh, well, it was Australia, so who's to say Rupert Murdoch was not behind that as well? Hmm. It just keeps getting bigger. I'm confused because I thought the 2006-2007 Ashes series was called off. Well, it said 06-07, but, well, I was surprised by that as well. I've never heard of such a series. Neither neither have I. So, coming towards the end of the show now, and uh, we've been talking for a while, so we're going to end it the usual way with uh, our predictions. So, Dave, why don't you go first? I'm going for a serious one, and I think uh, the East African cr- uh, food crisis will be completely forgotten, and that really people shouldn't forget about it amidst all the uh, obviously huge news at the uh, news of the world. All right, good prediction, uh, Adam. I too feel I should probably go for a sensible and you know serious prediction. So I'm going to predict that this week. Rupert Murdoch will realise that it's been me who's been hacking his phone for the last six years. And I now have his TIN number, his social security number, and that I know it's him who's been sending out the email saying, oh, I'm from a Nigerian bank and you have won a million dollars. I know it's you, Rupert. Stop it, Murdoch. That's just a big joke for him, I guess. <laughs> um, I think my prediction will be um, that we're all going to be horribly and mercilessly stung by the bees that Gaddafi sent over from Libya. Um, yeah, I think he's probably going to follow through with his word, considering he's a, a very reputable man. Welcome to Hacker Palooser 2011, sponsored by This Week in Lies and Kleenex. Cleaning up all that rubbish you didn't want on your podcast. So we had the select committee this week, which had star witnesses such as James and Rupert Murdoch. Rupert talked about the news of the world being uh, pretty small and insignificant, so much so that it was uh, not enough for him to talk about. And he seemed old, senile and forgetful, seemed to not hear what people were saying, took a long time to answer any questions and just genuinely appeared to not know anything about uh, what was going on in his company. Yeah, considering how uh, senile appeared, uh, the Beast Guy B thing is possibly the best thing that could have happened to him, just in a basic humanity kind of thing, really. Um, if he'd have been given overall charge of that, surely it would have melted his clearly addled old brain that couldn't remember things that just happened last week. <laughs> the thing is, if you were just watching it, it just looked like Tweedle D and Tweedle, I don't know anything, why am I not in the nurse? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> just looked like he didn't actually have a clue of what was actually going on and he, well I thought it was quite funny when he got attacked by the shaving foam which it's a well known fact that Rupert Murdoch and shaving foam is like Superman and Kryptonite <laughs> yeah. although uh, the guy who did that is actually a stand up comedian and to be honest if that is your best joke unless you've been tutored by the Chuckle Brothers that is <laughs> your career is not going very far at all the thing is, when it originally came out, they thought it was actually a uh, cream pie, and people were saying that the uh, clown prosecution service would have to investigate. Way, yeah, that is frankly the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I am so sorry, everyone. Yeah. Genuinely sorry. Yeah. As a treat for you in this section, we uh, have hacked into Rupert Murdoch's voicemail, and uh, he was left very a lot of very interesting messages from uh, such luminaries as Tony Blair. So have a listen to those. Beep. Rupert here. Leave a message and I'll tell you what to think in tomorrow's edition of the News of the World. Beep. 
Hi, Rupert. We spoke to the constitutional lawyers and unfortunately, we can't make you king. Can Tony still have your support? Thanks, Doug. Beep! I know you'll be upset at this, Rupert. Here's John Prescott's password for his voicemail. Hope this helps. Thanks, Doug. Beep! Well, one thing that might actually uh, interest Fish in the voicemail that I actually got hold of at the end, it was at the very back of all the messages that he'd been left, oh, yeah. filtered through good five, ten minutes of all of this, was um, a, a message from November 2006, which brought forward an allegation that you made a few weeks ago about what may have happened in that Ashes series down under. No, I'd be very interested to hear this. Let's, let's, just, let's just play this. Beep! Hi, Rupert. It's uh, Rob Key here. As uh, England dropped me all those years ago after scoring 226, I want to get back at them. So uh, here's the bowling plans for England for the Ashes coming up. Pass them on. Beep! I knew it was Murdoch. I knew it. I told you last week I can predict the future. Rob Key, you traitor! <laughs> I actually said as well, didn't I? It just keeps getting bigger. Mark our words. This week in lies, we've got it sorted. We we pretty much we can predict the future. Fish, I think we should uh, open up some form of business. I always wondered what happened to Mystic Meg. <laughs> she grew her hair <laughs> and became David Fisher. She's not dead, but she's definitely been reincarnated into me. <laughs> also in the committee was Rupert's son, James Murdoch, who has been accused of lying to the committee by former Clean News of the World editor Colin Myler and Tom Crone, lawyer for News International. Uh, James has claimed to have not seen an email entitled For Neville, before paying off the head of the Professional Footballers Association, Gordon Taylor, out of court for the sum of £700,000. Graham Taylor sued after Mulclair and Goodman were sentenced and it was revealed he was hacked. The £7,000 effectively kept in quiet in a confidentiality agreement and stopped evidence from being revealed in court, such as the aforementioned for Neville email, which pretty much exploded the myth that the News of the World thought it was only one rogue reporter. It had a list of 35 um, transcriptions from voicemail messages to the former chief reporter, Neville Thulbeck. And basically, yes, this does implicate James Murdoch in quite a major way, in a way he didn't really seem to remember in the committee, which is... Fairly incredible. No, I'm, I'm sorry, right? I think we're going to town on James Murdoch, and it's not fair because I often wake up in the morning and I have completely forgot that I paid seven hundred thousand pounds to somebody. It is a small, it, yeah. It's it's just a small sum of money for a Murdoch. It's just pocket change, well, as he summed up in the uh, committee. He is notoriously free with his money, as I mentioned last week. The Murdochs are well known as for their just charitable donations. I'm sorry, just I'm sure he's just really, really sorry. I do feel sorry for James, though, because if he is 15 years younger, although with his dad's age, that would be pretty much physically impossible, but still. Um, he'd have had a career as uh, uh, starring as Harry Potter because he does look remarkably like them. And uh, judging by his performance in the select committee, he'd be better than Daniel Ratcliffe. Oh, oh man. That's amazing. Take that, James Murdoch. I am calling you out. And Daniel Radcliffe for being a really bad actor. We're calling you out as well. <laughs> Outside Adam's house. Now. S- little Sutton. Don't tell Cheshire. them where I live. <laughs> I'll have crazy supporters coming up, knocking on, you know, knocking on my door very late at night, trying to sleep with me. It'd be an awful thing. Yeah, the price of fame. <laughs> uh, another person in News Corp who appears to have amnesia is uh, Rebecca Brooks. Apart from looking like the devil... She's uh, angelically denying that she knew anything about what our own newsroom were writing about while she was the editor and the executive of News of the World and News International. Now, I think what we really need to ask ourselves is either News International and News Corp is full of people who are not fit and proper directors or can actually do their job, or they're just full of liars. I'll let you decide which one you think that is. I've pretty much made my own mind up, though. Maybe there's some form of just horrendous gas leak around that building that just 
pat makes people pass out and just forget everything from that day. Maybe mm-hmm. there's like nitrous oxide leaks, anything. I mean, some form of like black hole in the universe just no, sucks up memories. It's what happens when you read the sun. You just immediately lose all intelligence. <laughs> ah, the well-known sun disease. Well, yeah, it should be well-known, to be honest. But to be honest, for I, for one, believe Rebecca Books because it was quite a sterling performance. She gave a, a result of what we wanted to see. She had an innocent expression sort of massively acro- put across her face for the entire time. And you do feel if you had a conversation with her um, about why she set fire to your house, it would end with you just going, Rebecca, oh, you, you can go. I believe you now. Hang on a second, get back here. <laughs> also further embroiled into the plot is uh, David Cameron and Andy Coulson, that gruesome twosome, as you could call them. Um, Cameron has sort of been dragged into this whole pullover even more. Um, it's been revealed that the former deputy editor of the News of the World, David Wallace, who is now in uh, been arrested and probably going to go to prison, if we're honest. Um, he gave informal advice to David Cameron through Andy Coulson. And also his former chief of staff, Ed Llewellyn, asked the police not to mention hacking in a Downing Street briefing four mm. months before Coulson was fired. Mm. I'm not sure what you think about that. Totally. Totally not an indictment of guilt again. <laughs> Just don't mention this. Nothing going on, but best keep it quiet well Cameron's also came out saying that he wouldn't have hired him but really the question we should all be asking and who we should be looking at is ourselves because the country shouldn't have hired him as prime minister we should all go into our bathrooms look at ourselves quite hard in the mirror and slap ourselves <laughs> what, why did we do that why did we vote for him uh, maybe can I... he needs to answer some serious questions can I interject you can there's a. Uh, I, I didn't vote for him. Yeah. Who, did, who did you vote for, Adam? Um, no comment. Yeah, I thought so. Is it called the. What's that, that party? That third party? The Lib Dems, that was it. Yeah, I may be guilty on that part as well. You're effectively Tories, both of you. Uh, uh. <laughs> Go and wash yourself with bleach. <laughs> this is horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job I've got tissues here. Sponsored by Kleenex. We're not officially sponsored by Kleenex, so are we? <laughs> stop making, stop giving them free airtime. They've not paid for that airtime. <laughs> uh, Cameron has also revealed this week that, in hindsight, he would not have hired, hired Andy Coulson. Which, you know, is a bit worrying for a prime minister. He'll apologise after, they, you know, ignoring lots of obvious evidence. I mean, foresight is also a word you could possibly throw in there, as in he should have had some. You, should, you could have really seen him giving a statement in the future saying, well, yes, it seems the Faroe Islands were not nuclear capable and starting a catastrophic global war does, in hindsight, Seems to have been a mistake. I can only apologise for the death of 90% of humanity. <laughs> yeah, but we've got to remember that the Tories do have a preemptive policy. Look at Ken Clark when it came to uh, self-defence. You can kill people on the street if they look like they could hurt you one day. So really, Cameron's done a U-turn, another one. That's verbatim, isn't it, from Ken Clark? <laughs> that is something he would say. <laughs> I feel that... Ken Clark's press conference when he was talking about this, of he said what the party wanted to say, but his eyes said something different to me. <laughs> Thank you for that reference, Adam. <laughs> so uh, Louise Mensch, who's an MP who's on the select committee, uh, accused Piers Morgan of uh, boasting in his autobiography that he like used the phone hacking trick where you ring someone up and put the four-digit code in, that he'd use that to uh, get a scoop on people, you know, high-flying celebrities such as Sven Goran Eriksson, uh, which won himself and um, the news, uh, the Mirror, it was, uh, a, a prize. Um, but Morgan then read out from the extract in question, live on CNN, and it said nothing of the sort. 
And uh, Louise Mensch basically had to put a foot in her mouth and refused to explain anything, quoting that she uh, didn't have to explain because of parliamentary privilege. Hmm. She, she is called Mensch, which is quite ironic, considering that means honourable person. Yeah, may want to rethink that. <laughs> may want to rethink her last name. Yeah, she should change her name to Liar. Yeah. <laughs> Sticking it to the man. Yeah. Yeah, Louise Liar, that'll get it across. Hang on a second, I've just been flicking through my what will happen when the rapture comes, and it it's the final chapter. It Oh, oh no, it says in the final chapter, when Piers Morgan is seen as the person in the right, the rapture will happen, we're all going to die! So it is one of the harbingers of the apocalypse that Piers Morgan turns out to be correct in an argument. That man we mentioned a few... Uh podcasts ago it really was just a few months too late to be honest or too early should i say the daily fail it was a good soldier it took down many ridiculous statements by the daily mail heck it saved our life a few times the Daily Fair was not just a soldier of this podcast, it was a friend. But like all soldiers' parents, loved ones, and friends know, that telephone call could come at any time. Today, we got that call. But before it left us, it left us with its dying words, and I'll tell you them soon. The Daily Fail. We'll never forget you. We'll never forget you. <laughs> now let's read out its actual statement. Now, going on the just utter, utter rubbish that the Daily Mail has given us in the last nine episodes, we can say that if this is the one that the Daily Fail wanted to go out on, you know it's a big one. You know that it's got to beat the Nazi banker. <laughs> you, you know that it's got to make no sense at all and be based in such utter fiction of knowledge and logic that made, made it deservant of going into a Daily Mail article. Now, today's Daily Fail is wrote by Amanda Craig, a woman who looks a little bit like a cheap Margaret Thatcher if she'd been put through a blender. And that is in no way a bad thing. <laughs> It may actually be a good thing. Now, this woman is an ex-pupil of a private school called Beadles, which advertises itself as a liberal and progressive school. But this is where the evil and dark things come out. Revelations that pupils engage in underage sex, <gasps> shoplifting, <gasps> and some have even been known to be expelled. Shame, shame. In this, a private school with people who go to a school called pupils doing things that other pupils do. But for the privilege to go to this school, it costs you £30,000 a year. Now, this school takes in the rich, and as we are playing the Daily Mail game, we have to stick to their logic and their words. So it takes in the rich, and you think, it's, it's going to finish there, but, but no. And give scholarships to people of unwealthy backgrounds <laughs> and common blood. <laughs> they didn't say uncommon blood, did they? Yes, they oh, did. <laughs> now, this school is very unlike its conservative, traditional sister school of Hogwarts. It lets in, you know, non-magic folk, because this is genuinely what she's making it sound like with common blood. It's just stupid. But apparently the reason why this school is evil and unlike every other school in the country is because the sexes were mixed in classrooms and the art and music societies and uh, departments were encouraged. But And this is another quote. Sounded ideal to the two idealistic liberals working for the United Nations abroad. What? Yes, apparently a school is bad if 
its pupils in their private life have underage sex, steal, or, you know, when they are in school, get expelled. It's like, wait a minute, it doesn't happen in other schools. No, in a conservative school, they just have, they'd be brought up with the right morals on. <sighs> so the only way we can look at this and think, what is wrong with this school is because of the word liberal. The word, the word corrupt. It's been well known to corrupt human beings. But because the Daily Fail knew it was going, it wanted to leave us with one little speck of to look for the future. And this section is called Debate. Now, to get some of the stupid things that I want off of the Daily Fail using the Daily Mail game, I do kind of try to comment on people's articles to get them to comment back so i can see how crazy they are this is kind of like online bear baiting a little bit yes <laughs> but should be legal should be on tv and i would definitely pay to watch it <laughs> now the daily mail has a big massive section called debate in capital letters in white and in bold okay so you're thinking this will mean a lot of different opinions will be given and, you know, you can look at someone's opinion and disagree with it and, you know, just, just general debate as you would think of the word debate. But that's not how the Daily Mail game works. When they say debate, that means you'll listen to what we think and then if you comment on it and don't agree with us, we'll delete your comment. <laughs> and if you then comment again and say something that we don't like because you're not a Daily Mail reader or have been educated you can cross them out either way to be honest they then delete your comment again and then they ban you and then you <laughs> can't comment anymore <laughs> which is quite upsetting i'm not sure you really know what debate means i mean when i think of it i think of more sort of one-sided questions like debate how great the eu is or isn't should i say debate how we should have our empire back <laughs> Debate how black people are worse than white people. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the Daily Fail left us this pearl as its legacy in the podcast. And I know I know it's gone and it had no family. We were its only family. But if you're up there, Daily Fail, looking down on us, thank you. Just thank you. Although, don't worry, everyone, there will be little specks of Daily Mail throughout my bad reporting in the future. So it's sort of like your methadone. You won't be completely, you know, go cold, cold turkey on the mail. So the Daily Mail is uh, no longer with us. It's been sadly laid to rest. But as Dave said, we'll uh, we'll probably try and feature a bit more. But uh, we've got another treat for you here, another hacked voicemail. So let's have a listen. Beep. This is NATO. Leave a message or death threat after the beep. You Western pigs, I don't pick up to you. Your death is overdue. I'm gonna bomb your town, gonna make you frown. You'll feel my pain when I hit you like a train. I've got bombs to hit your mums. I've got guns to kill your nuns. I've got rockets to destroy your lockets. Safe. I can't think of anything else. Tell them death to the West. Death to the West! Beep! So, that was another voicemail. And, uh, well, we're slightly scared now. We think Gaddafi truly has lost his marble. Mm-hmm. 